Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Human Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 29, for real this time, of the Cheers to Comics podcast. This week, as always, I'll be raising my glass to all of the comics released on the 1st of May, 2019, as well as talking about everything else relevant to the world of comic books. Heads up, there's going to be a whole bunch of language and spoilers, so make sure you're cool with all that. And when you are, grab yourself a drink, we're going to talk some comic books. Once again, the buzz will be supplied by Rolling Rock, because that was a big case of beer we bought last week. <laughs> um, fair, right? Mason, pr- Mason, the producer? Yes, it's fair. Okay. Well, uh, only a little bit of news. It all just kind of came out this week, actually. Thanks to Twitter, we have shit to talk about. C.B. Sabolski reminded us that it's been a long time since we've had a comic book that sold a million copies. And that, that, that book was Star Wars. Remember Star Wars? Well, he said, I think I have an idea for another book to sell a million copies. So, we can speculate off of that. It just came off of a tweet, Marvel's going to put out a million copy selling book again. A lot of people might seem to speculate that they're going to reboot Star Wars. Some say, no, we can't do that because the Star Wars comics has recently have been made canon. So, if they're going to reboot it, that's going to fuck everything up. I don't know. Who's to say it's even going to be a Star Wars book that's going to sell a million copies? I, I just find that very intriguing. Um, also, also Matthew Rosenberg on Twitter is having to apologize again. He thinks he has to apologize. A lot of other people think he has to apologize. I read the, the fucking issue of Uncanny X-Men this week. I find no reason for him to apologize, but good on him. He's and the only reason I say I find no reason to apologize because I didn't, I literally didn't find anything for him to apologize about. I think the people that were telling him to apologize were just really, really digging. I think it all came down to one word, and I just, because I don't know, I just, but I could say I could say things to divide my divide my audience now, and me not being on one side or the other, I don't. Fact is, Matthew Rosenberg stepped up. Again, after finally becoming active on Twitter again, and is immediately forced to fucking apologize. But good on him. Um, other than that, that's, that's really all there is for news. I do want to remind you that this weekend is free comic book day, though. So make sure you go to your local comic book stores. This is very important. Whether you're just getting into comics or not, more than anything, free comic book day is about bringing somebody new into the game. It's fucking free comics. There's so many different books to choose from this week. 
And I'm going to go ahead and say that my, my <laughs> here I am talking about all the, the great possibilities of new comics to get out there. Well, out of all the stuff that I, I viewed, and there's a bunch, Spider-Man is actually the issue that I'm most excited about. And it's just Spider-Man, it's going to be a bunch of various artists doing it, but my biggest intrigue is that we're going to get a Donny Cates spread, um, and we're going to be talking about the, the big carnage thing that's going to be happening this week, or be happening this summer. So, that's that's definitely something to be excited about on my end, but there's all, all the indies and shit, we're, we're getting another Tick comic. I feel like the only time I get Tick comics are on Free Comic Book Day now, and since I've been collecting comics, I've, I've always made sure that I get the Tick comic. Like, we're, so, we're past due for our, like, uh, our, our Tick uh, reboot, the, like, this decade when it comes to TV shoot. Oh, no, uh, 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 Amazon's doing Tick. Oh, really? Yeah, and we're on season two now, buddy. Oh, wow. So I that's... I'm just, I was I, no, I was... Yeah, no. The, the last Tick I remember was Patrick Warburton Tick. Oh, dude, and he's my he's the person that I'm most excited to meet at Denver Pop Culture Convention. Are you going to meet Patrick Warburton? He's the one person oh. I'm going to stand in line for next to uh, Tara Strong, but I'm going to get my Tick Pop sign because it's well, great. Tara Strong's just a legend. Yeah, she, no, she is, but to me, Patrick Warburton, I mean, that's 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 putty. Got to support the team. It's Joe. It's, it's Joe. It's, uh, fuck, I mean, but more than anything, that's my, that's my tick. That's yeah. my tick. So, and the Tick comics, I, I, I hear Patrick Warburton's voice. As great as this new actor is playing the Tick on Amazon, that first season was amazing, and then I think they just finished the second season on Amazon now, so it's, uh, I've been waiting, I've been, I want to binge it, because I was really mad when I started watching the Tick, I thought it had already been out, so when I had to wait for episodes to come out every week, I was, gotcha. you, you, you see where I'm going. at the same time, when you watch stuff as it's released, there are, those are better numbers for them to show the support of the show. No, and I totally get that. By more being made. I, I, no, I to, and that's why we're getting a season two. Because I was afraid that we might not have got a season two. Just uh, as great, I loved it, but I had a feeling that they might have been on the fence. Just yeah, I, I, I love it. The tick is my shit. But the fact is, free comic book day. So one of the t- the tick is one of thirty three thousand fucking. Com- okay, maybe like I think. 30, 35 titles being released. So much good stuff. There's a Bloodshot fucking title, Mason. I was specifically going to pick that one up for you, buddy. Well, I, I but, appreciate that. Yeah, no, Valiant's going to be killing it this year because we're getting Bloodshot and an Exo Man of War reboot at some point this year. Cause we oh, do, man. So, <clears throat> oh, man, it's, it's good shit. So much. Go to your local comic book stores. It's the best. It's the only place to get them. Support your LCS. Support your LCS. So let's talk about all of the books that I read last week. I read a bunch. Flipped through a bunch. There's some good stuff. I'm gonna start out with the indies this week. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start out the podcast all pissed off at DC and Batman. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the middle. It's a hate sandwich. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there is any hate this week. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. i got to talk about it out loud before I can decide. <laughs> Rocco's Modern Afterlife. I was very, very, very excited um, to hear a, a Rocco book coming out. And then... But at the same time, I wasn't... I didn't really have high hopes. And I figured they're just... They're going to really... Put, I, I didn't know what to expect. I, the fact is I didn't have high hopes. And then I opened up the book, and it was... The story was so well told, and the art was so well drawn, that I actually thought that I was looking at 
the cartoon, and they just decided to take specific frames out and print them into a fucking book. This, it was great. So when issue two came out, I was here. I am still as excited. Issue one left off where Hef had potentially been bitten by his parents. There's a whole zombie infestation going on. Rocco and Spunky are in their car on their way to go get Hef. With Filbert on the phone, Filbert seems to have all of this. He's a zombie enthusiast, so he seems to have all the information. Well, here we are, issue number two. Rocco and Spunky are driving through town, and zombies are motherfucking everywhere, but check this shit out. Really, Remember Really, Really Big Man? Really, Really Big Man. He motherfucking zombie. That's bad. When you got something like that, all zombified. Fucks up Rocco and Spunky's car. Oh, bugger. They have to run to Filbert, but as they're talking to Filbert, they realize there's something kind of off about him. And what it comes down to is Filbert is trying to take on this alpha presence, and it all comes down to, I think, the rejection of a girl or something like that. But he's trying to take on this alpha presence, but he's still very fucking Filbert, you know. If you're familiar with the cartoon, you know Filbert's not exactly alpha material. Very beta. And, uh, as he gets to Filbert, Filbert is paranoid as he's like, you haven't been followed, have you? And Rocco's like, oh, no, I haven't been followed. Well, he got fucking followed. Boom, someone comes in, and like, oh, survivors, we're going to attack, because we're bad, too, but we're not zombies. Filbert and Rocco kind of have somewhat of a falling out, but that doesn't last long. Uh, Rocco sets up the scenario where he takes really, really big man, uh, like a, a, stu- a stuffed replica of really really big man and he makes it look like he's being a like Filbert's going to be attacked in an alley and he's got like this ketchup bottle behind him and he squeezes it to make it look like blood splurting everywhere and Filbert's like oh maybe I am alpha they're friends again off to go save Hef they get to Hef's door he opens up and he a motherfucking zombie or at least seemingly I have a feeling that it's just going to be Hef not a zombie. They just drew him really ominous. And here, I'll show you the. <laughs> super ominous. And it's. Ah, I don't know. You would say he might be a zombie, right? With all the bite marks on him. Like, he had, he's obviously been bitten. That's, that's the whole rush over. But, dude, this book is so great. If, if, you're, if you're a child that grew up in the 90s. Bite marks. It just looks like F is dirty. <laughs> They're bite marks, though. If you look at the uh, okay. the if, last if issue. Reading, if I've been seeing the art style that's been there, those yeah. are bite marks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I fucking love this book so much. I highly suggest if if you're if you're a child of the '90s and you're looking for something nostalgic and you're not into the superhero bullshit or whatever else is out there, just a quick four-part fuck it series. Rocco's Modern Afterlife, man. It's diggable. Dig a both for show. And done by Nickelodeon and Kaboom. Heidi W. Transformers number four. Alright. Well, more, uh... This was... A better issue than the third issue. Still not the action that I want. We do get a little bit of robot fighting. But it's broken up very, very quickly. So, essentially what's going on is we got Geomotus... Windblade and Chromia, they're looking for any type of clues out there to Brainstorm's death. As they're out there searching the the planes of existence, or wherever, however the fuck you want to put it, 
uh, what's his face? Uh, Cyclonus comes flying through, and he's this ominous-looking purple jet, and they're looking at him like, "Oh, you gotta know something. You're just circling around." He's all, nah, "I don't know shit," and they insist that he should come back, and we're gonna question you. He's not about it. He's like, "Yeah, maybe tomorrow." They're like, "Oh, okay, we'll be back tomorrow." And then we get the <laughs> "I'm not really coming back" type of moment. That's that's all that scene is. So what what this setting up is, we've got some just severing happening here. The coolest part about all this, we trans we go back over to Rubble and Bumblebee. We know Bumblebee is Rubble's uh, mentor. Rubble has just recently been the word is not born, but uh, um, not crafted. Uh, what the fuck? Did, uh, forged. That's the word. Forged. They're at a forging ceremony now. They're it's kind of rare that there's been more than one forging within a hundred cycles, so they say. So the fact that somebody so young is getting to experience this is apparently an ordeal, or at least how it's exclaimed in this book. And we get this new forging, and we we essentially what we're seeing is the ceremony. After the ceremony's done, um, uh, fucking, uh, what's his name? Orion? Not Orion. I'm thinking of the wrong Transformer. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> fucking Ironhide. Yeah, Ironhide comes in. No, it's not even Ironhide. Huh, that's weird. They don't have him on it. Fact is, another Transformer comes in, and he he's security on the situation, and he's kind of got a little bit of bad blood against Rubble because he, he's the one that discovered Brainstorm, but he also realizes that he's not responsible for it, and... Tensions are high, is what it's coming down to. Really, what this book circles around to is nothing really happens other than the funeral of Brainstorm. This is kind of disappointing, but at the same time, as you read through it, it's well told. So I don't know what to say. There's a forging on a rare occasion, there's a funeral, and some possible fuckery, some definite fuckery afoot. Transformers. Let's move on to DC. Batman, number 70. Tom King, Mikel Janine, Jorge Fornes, and Jordi Belair, covered by Andy Kubert and Alex Sinclair. Sue, Nightmares is over. I don't believe it. Because on uh, issue 70, I, I, I really believe this is all still a fucking nightmare. It's better? <laughs> all right. I realized the first three issues of Nightmare I really, really dug. And I didn't realize how much I defended it until I, I recalled back to them. The first one being Professor Pig. That was fucking amazing. And the, the, the other two stories were, were, were good. And the last three stories were all Catwoman-y love. I lost you on Batman. You're Catwoman. We're not a thing. Bullshit. Okay. Batman wakes up. He's... In issue 70, he's at the bottom of Arkham Asylum, and he's just plowing through his rogues. But not before, once again, we get this fucking poem that's told. Tom King, dude, I understand it. I understand the art of it all, the fact that the poem you chose. But here's the deal. is If someone was not invested into this story like me, they would have just said, these are a bunch of fucking stupid Shakespearean words that don't belong in a fucking Batman book. 
I care enough about the story, as angry as I am about it, that I went and did some research. The poem is The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, The Argument, by William Blake, which is apparently a take on both Paradise Lost and Divine Comedy. Once again, reiterates my fact that this nightmare story is not over, he's just giving it a part two. He's going through, plowing through his fucking rogues, one by one, extremely fucking easily. All of them, everything, uh, fucking calendar man, scarecrow, scarecrow's like, oh, I can't fucking, how is this possible? Nightmare gas, this is, I don't know. I don't know, I don't understand the story, this was a lot more entertaining to read because there's a lot of punching and we got to see some cool fucking villains i guess but for a page apiece don't know what to take out of it i i ugh, tom king dude come on man remember when i used to talk good about him mason it wasn't that long ago it, it was issue number fucking 64 six issues ago seven issues ago Oh, I miss those days. Batman, he named Mutant Ninja Turtles, though. Hmm, that's a whole yeah, different... haven't lost faith in him. No, that's the thing. is because the guy. I, I know what he's capable of. I just really dislike this story, man. I do. I really dislike it. This story, on the other hand, I enjoyed thoroughly. <laughs> Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for the third time. Issue number one... DC and IDW collide. I am a huge, huge fan of the Batman Teenage Ninja Turtles crossovers, specifically because of the art. I've, I think I said it on the last podcast when we were doing the hype, and I'm going to say it again for people that didn't catch that part of the podcast. If someone were to approach me and say, show me the art that's going to convince me that I want to read comic books for the rest of my life, I give them any page of any issue of any volume of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Batman because Freddie E. Williams is phenomenal. Absolutely fucking phenomenal. James Tinney and the Fourth. This is the book that convinced me that James Tinney and the Fourth is fucking incredible despite the weirdness that is happening in Justice League and Legion of Doom and all that right now. So... This is one of those books I'm not going to ruin for you. It is full of surprises. Full of surprises, cameos. I thought about how I was going to... Like, I actually rehearsed this rundown in my head. I know this book so fucking well. You need to read this one yourself. This is going to be a title that I do a trade negotiation of in a volume. The art is no different than it was before. There's, <laughs> Kevin Eastman has a cameo drawing in here. One panel, one part of a panel to give you any idea, any inclination of why this book is so fucking special. This is not just a crossover of two worlds collide as much as it is characters and themselves are combining together. Turtles are also Robins. <laughs> um, Shredder is the Joker called the Laughing Man. The Foot Clan is, ah, fuck, what do they call them? Uh, the Smile Clan, that's led by Harley Quinn. Bebop and Rocksteady are also combined with fucking Clayface and, 
Uh, oh, who's... I, I, you know, I, they haven't... I can't tell who Bebop is combined with. But god damn, is this all so... I'm so fucking intrigued. And th- this art... This fucking art... They could take... As good as the story is, they could take all the fucking words out of this book. And I'll still spend 40 seconds per page just enjoying the fucking beauty that is this book. And I could see you enjoying it from afar, Mason. This is this is good shit, dude. Splinter is Alfred. Uh, and actually what it comes down to is the turtles are... Bruce Wayne's brother. Bruce Wayne is the only one that is not meshed with another universe. Bruce Wayne is Batman, but the Teenage Mutant Turtles are his brothers, who is raised by Alfred Slash Splinter. And all of the turtles are some other version of another Robin. So you could guess that Raphael would be the Red Hood version. And Oh, God. It's... I, the story, though. The, I, the, oh, man. This is this is a ten out of ten book. There's this a, ten out of ten easily. Go read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Batman Part Three because they're actually it's so fucking good that it's getting an animated goddamn theatrical release in the theaters at some point in time that is in production now. Justice League number twenty three. Scott Snyder, Jorge Jimenez, and Alejandro Sanchez. They also did the cover. So we're in the sixth dimension. Shit's going down. Oh, are we back to the, the future Superman, regular yes. Superman story? Yes. Okay, I'll so, wait to hear about this. Yes. This is, it's, it, that's what I like to hear, because this is an exciting story. Um, I, I know in the Legion of Doom, I really, really expected a fucking imp fight. We got a Batmite reveal. We got a reveal of Lex Luthor's secret weapon to fight Mixelplick. But... That's all we got is this little thing that looks like it just came out of Spawn Kills Everyone too. <laughs> I wasn't, I, I was intrigued but not impressed. Well, it gets better. The book starts out though with Superman finally finding the the ability, the strength. He, he reaches deep down, thinks about his son. He's able to escape from the dark side of the moon, for lack of better words, the sunless wherever he is. And he's flying through space, and he's determined to fix shit. Meanwhile, future Lois has the Justice League contained. And not just the Justice League, but also the son of future Hawk Girl and Martian Manhunter, who is, uh, what do they call him? Fucking Shane. And he's the, the weird kid in the corner that's having all the weird visions, who eventually informs him that shit's gonna be about to get fucked up. Well, shit got fucked up. Future Lois gets all these guys in a in a corner, and Shane Kamehameha's their way out of there essentially. And the the, the story is told in fucking spurts. It goes back and forth, so I, I, it's hard to. I'm not gonna tell it in order. Meanwhile, all this shit's going down. They actually have a really cool moment that I think reverts back to the first Avengers movie. Remember when Loki's like, "Oh, but we have a Hulk." Or, or no, I'm sorry, not the first Avengers movie. In Infinity War, like, "Oh, we have a Hulk," or even. Iron Man and Avengers, that's who says it. Well, in this moment, Flash, as just as it looks like uh, Lois Lane is about to take everyone out before Shane does his Kamehameha, Flash goes, well, we have a Batman. <laughs> and they look over and Batman ain't there. Well, 
future Superman turned out to be not actually the future Superman, as uh, they showed back in issue 21. It is World Forger. And World Forger has taken Batman aside, and Batman is in, in, interested. He's genuinely interested in the why World Forger is doing what he's doing. It comes down to him explaining, well, back on Earth, there's this imp that's... He's literally unimagining existence. And I would be referring to the imp fight, uh, Mixelplik. So he says, when this happens, it's going to throw... It's going to destroy this Earth. Well, I want to keep this Earth. It's kind of a cool Earth. I'm, I'm part of this Earth. So what I have to do is we have to trick the cosmic gods into thinking that Earth is still alive. So he has this plan of doing that, and really what it all comes down to without explaining all of the crazy detail involved, and as detailed as it was, normally I would say it's too many words. I, actually, I really enjoyed it. Once again, you've got to read it for yourself to understand why. The fact is... What they have to do is get rid of these sons. Well, uh-oh, Superman needs sons. Superman's on his way to help shit. Well, Batman makes a decision. He says, well, you know what? If it's for the greater good, I wish I could say goodbye, Superman. But goodbye, Superman. And the last page is Superman. Like, he's, he's on his way. I'm, I'm Supermaning. And then the lights go out, and he's just uh, drifting through space, all dark and whatnot. Meanwhile, after Shane busts out of the, like, I, going back to all that, he busts out of the, the fucking imprisonment, and the Legion of Doom show up in a ship, and everyone, like, what are we doing this? And the Legion of Doom pretty much exclaims that, you know, time's changed, bro, it's been a long time, we might not be so bad for all, get in, we got this, and then you see Darkseid driving the ship, and he goes, Darkseid is... <laughs> But everyone is like, is this cool, man? It's, it's, it's fucking weird. It's, 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 yeah, there we go. You can see the look on their faces. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's happening. I really, really, really enjoy okay. this. All right. Uh, once again, Scott Snyder, my favorite issue, again, of Justice League. So, it is getting better and better and better. I am enjoying this so much. This is the DC team book to read. I used to say it was Justice League Dark. Nope, Snyder's taken back. Justice League is super fucking readable. My most anticipated book of the last week went to a DC title. Deceased. Tom Taylor. Um, Trevor Harrison, Stefano Guadiano, James Heron, and Rain Barreto. I got the Capullo and Placencia cover. I also got another... Well, the one wall book I have this week goes to this title. We'll talk about that later on, though. Show. Oh, man. I was... <laughs> my expectations for this book were through the roof for a lot of reasons. One, I'm super fucking twisted in the head, and I like seeing the things I love die. <laughs> Two, I love fucking Tom Taylor, and I think he is one of the most interesting dialogue, dialogue writers in all of comics, and I'm not sure there's any writer out there that is in the head of more characters and knows the voice of more characters and is able to write the voice of more characters than Tom Taylor. Well, the fact that he is taking on a book that involves everybody in the entire DC Universe, fuck, man. Fuck were my expectations high. That being said, 
They are somehow surpassed. Everybody's going to fucking die. I am fully convinced of that. Uh, Cyborg is the key to Apocalypse's other half of the anti-life equation. Not Apocalypse. Darkseid. Darkseid gets... He he captures Cyborg, gets the other half of the anti-life equation, actually ends up killing himself, is able to teleport... Or before Cyborg is killed, he's transported back to Earth-616. And he... Because he's Cyborg... The anti-life equation is put into a digital type of file and displayed through social media. At this point, anybody that looks up anything social media becomes a rage-filled zombie motherfucking killer. That's what the fuck's going on. Superman, being Superman, he's like, Oh, fuck, I gotta get to Lois, I gotta get to old John. Just so happens that um, Damien is playing video games with John. So, the only people that survive in this book so far are uh, the people that Superman involves in. Batman's involved. Yeah, so Batman looks like he's about to fucking die, too. He's in the Batcave. Everything... uh, uh, Superman, essentially, he's under the impression that there's nobody safer than Batman because who's who's more anti-social media than Batman? And they go to the Batcave, and they specifically say intranet, being blah blah blah, so he's not connected to the outside world. Well, the motherfuckers upstairs, Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, you're fucking on your goddamn phone, and then they go, bah, zombie, and Dick Grayson and Tim Drake eat the fuck out of Batman. Meanwhile, Batman's going, Alfred, run! Run! I'm Batman! I might be dead. And, dude, everybody's going to fucking die. I am so fucking happy. I am so fucking happy with this goddamn book. Read it. Read it. The art... Look at this. Look at look at There's one my favorite panel. <laughs> Thank you. Nothing was going to jump out of the shadows. Dick I'm gonna meme that later. It's oh dude, it's alright. I got it on Instagram, dude. It's 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 my most liked Instagram post. <laughs> Next to some Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing will come out of the sh- Dick! <laughs> and then Dick eats him. Okay. <laughs> it's so goddamn good. Like I said, my expectations were through the roof. I actually expected to be disappointed because of how much faith I had in this book. God damn, is this fucking good, dude. I Holy shit. I'm not mad at DC. I'm not done with... D- I wish there was more fucking DC to read this week. <laughs> you're not to go to Pat, no, no, I'm gonna go to Marvel now. <laughs> Fuck. God damn, that was good. Deadpool. Number 12, Legacy 312. Scotty Young, Scott Hepburn, and Ian Herring coming by Hepburn and Herring. We're getting part three of the Goodnight Saga. Uh, issue two is pretty much Goodnight giving his bad guy dialogue about how Deadpool killed his parents and blah blah blah. Meanwhile, he's given that dialogue at the end of issue 11. Deadpool pretty much says you fucked up by giving a bad bad guy dialogue. I'm all better now. Deadpool takes uh, Goodnight's mace, fucks him up. But it goes back and forth is what it comes down to in issue 12. It's going back and forth and back and forth. And uh, 
what it comes down to is right before it looks like Goodnight is going to take the final blow on Deadpool. How that would be, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be the final blow. Uh, Weasel comes in. We all know Weasel is Deadpool's ex-homie. Uh, He's been the one controlling Goodnight the whole time. He comes in and says, well, well it's all me. I'm Weasel and blah, 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 and don't kill him. And Yeah. <laughs> well... The, really, the, the most important part of all of this is the fact that Weasel has actually been working with Mephisto the whole time. So Weasel bows out graceful, gracefully. He's like, oh, dude, I, that's the thing. is I don't want him to kill you, Deadpool. I, I want you to suffer for a little bit longer. And uh, carry on. And then you realize how Deadpool's going to suffer. You see Mephisto open up this portal and Weasel's laugh, being all weaselly in his way. And you see Deadpool's data. So, obviously, you know who they're going after there. Um, I, I actually, I, I thought that Deadpool needed more story arcs going on, because the first ten issues were pretty much just fucking one-shots. Lovable one-shot Deadpool stories. Then issue nine, or ten, eleven, and twelve did this good night thing. I think I liked the, the one-shots more, actually. I was wrong. Uh, and, uh, Nick Klein's not drawing on me, though. Scott Hepburn's, uh, or... Yeah, Scott Hepburn. He's, he does a great job. I just, I like the Nick Klein, Scotty Young fucking team. But he'll be back when the War of the Realms does their tie-in with Deadpool. Yes, even Deadpool gets War of the Realms tie-in. Dead Man Logan, number 7 of 12. Ed Brisson, Mike Henderson, and Nolan Woodard, covered by Declane Shalvey. Sure, Logan, he's back in the Wastelands. He's back home. He's, he's he doesn't know where he's at yet. He realizes that he's in Florida. He's not happy about being in Florida, especially Wasteland, Florida. Uh, he gets captured by a bunch of cannibals. They realize that there's a huge bounty on Logan's head, but they realize that being a cannibal in a Wasteland type of universe is probably more valuable to just... And the beings that Logan regenerates and heals himself as slow as it may be now because he's old man Logan. He's infinite meat. Infinite meat. Exactly. And really, we're getting 20 pages of fucking torture. This is uh, 20 pages of Logan being tortured horrendously by this group of cannibals until eventually Danny Cage steps in and saves him with along with Bruce Jr. And Danny Cage being, I believe, one of uh, Logan's ex-wives or something while in the Wasteland story. Uh, I'm not totally sure. But yeah, uh, Danny Cage steps in, Bruce Jr. being a little young... Bruce Jr. smash type of little motherfucker. Yes, he's a Hulkling. Not the Hulk. You know, understand what I'm saying. Oh, if we're in the wasteland, aren't there like lots of weird incest yeah. Hulks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Maestro's dead, though. Okay. Yeah, Maestro's dead. But really, the biggest take in this book is the ending when we see a motherfucking Sabretooth. Yep, Sabretooth is back. I thought he was super fucking dead. Super fucking gone from comics. I didn't think that I'd be reading anything to have to do with Sabretooth for a long fucking time. So, very, very, very excited about this. This has been a great fucking story. Sabretooth is inquiring back to at the, the cannibals, like, where to find him. So, poor Logan. He ain't ever gonna die in peace. <laughs> fucking Sabretooth, though. I'm super excited. Oh boy, Uncanny X-Men, number 17, Legacy 639, Matthew Rosenberg. <sighs> that poor guy. Leave him alone, guys. 
Carlos Gomez and Guru Effects, covered by Wilf Potasio and Eric Arcianega. All right. So this, in the continuity of Uncanny X-Men, I don't know if I touched on it last time in the podcast, but if you look at the legacy numbering, 635 was the last legacy numbering of issue 16. Then we went into a War of the Realms tie-in that I think was mistakenly also numbered 635. Legacy is now 639. That tells me that this story takes place after the events of War of the Realms, which only makes sense considering that a major character that was in the War of the Realms tie-in last week is fucking dead in here. And that's what this whole issue is about. Wolfsbane is dead. Um, kind of, alright, so... Let me explain where the controversy comes in here. Wolfsbane died by a bunch of frat boys. Uh, a lot of people say that there was implied rape involved, and the only reason it wasn't touched on more is because it's a Marvel comic. As a reader myself, I'm going to call bullshit, bullshit on the rape entirely. So Wolfsbane is under the impression that... Or she, she doesn't want to be a mutant anymore. She just wants to be a fucking person. So she is pretty much refusing to go Wolfsbane. She just wants to be Rain. That is how she's able to falter to a few fucking crap boys. Everyone is all pissed off. Wolfsbane would never go down to a few fucking crap boys. She's fought this and this and this. No, the argument is, is she was so dedicated to not wanting to be a mutant that she refused to tap into her mutant ways to even survive. She wanted to go out just like a normal person would. So, the funeral is afoot. Every, all the mutants are there except for Logan. And Logan mourns in his own ways. Now, from as, as disgusting as all of that sounded, this is actually a really beautiful book. You get the, the pacing of all of the Ugoolies, <laughs> eulogies of the mutants at Rain's funeral. And meanwhile, Logan and a uh, mutant convict, uh, what's her fucking name, uh, Quanin, who has the ability to kind of see the past as for what it is somehow. That's, that's how I, yeah, so let's, let's move on. Those two are going through, and they're tracking down these uh, these frat boys. And essentially, the goal is to fucking kill him. Logan brings Quanin along just to make sure that he is able to actually see the act of horrendous fucking murder that went on with Rain. So that's the point there. After it's all said and done, Logan, he fucking, he, he, he rips shit up. Funeral's over, everyone comes back, Cyclops confronts Logan in his Cyclopsy way. Yeah, bruh, how come you aren't, like, doing what I want you to do? Even though I'm not a leader, I still think that you should listen to me. Cyclops is still a fucking douchebag is what it comes down to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, fucking, they get into a fight, and then the son of a bitch name, I don't, I, I'm, fill me on on who this guy is, Kane. He breaks it up, and he's like, oh, how come you guys are going after this when Emma Frost isn't on your list? Okay, so Emma Frost is back. That's a big reveal. Last page. Emma Frost is back. And meanwhile, Cyclops is... Who the fuck is Emma Frost? (laughs) So, I think it's a missed opportunity for someone else to yell out, Why is Emma Frost? (laughs) You know, I think that's going to be the name of this podcast, Why is Emma Frost? Just kidding, it's not. This is not the book of the week. It's a good book, though. Fact is, as much hate as this book got, 
did not warrant an apology from Matthew Rosenberg. Matthew Rosenberg, you have my blessing to kill as many mutants as you want. If you want to re-kill Cy- Cyclops, fucking do it. Oh, fuck it. Scott Summer should already be dead. Well, I, I really hope, and I'm going to... I really hope that Matthew Rosenberg decided to bring Cyclops back just to fucking re-kill him. Because fuck Cyclops. I was excited when he came back because at first it seemed like, oh, you know, he's going to be cool. No, he's still so fucking Cyclops. Even Captain America reluctantly gives him his blessing to carry on for mutant kind. Ugh. Nothing against uh, Matthew Rosenberg or the creators by any means. I enjoy character development. This is just character development, and I, I, it's hard to explain. I don't not enjoy this at all. Kill them all. <laughs> Fucking Punisher. More Matthew Rosenberg, Simon Grudansky, and Antonio Fabella. Still stand by. This is my favorite creative trio in comics. Um, the Nun... Sister Mercy has been tied to the back of Baron Zemo's bike in issue 10. Punisher is going to go chase them. We get about 12 pages of Punisher fighting uh, or uh, chasing uh, fucking Jigsaw. That's his name. Jigsaw with Sister Mercy tied to the back being drug along. It's explosion after... It's a typical typical Punisher book. If you've been... (laughs) (laughs) Have <laughs> you been reading <laughs> any of this Punisher series at all? This is no different than any of it. It's the most consistent title I think Marvel has ever put out. It's it's Punisher being Punisher. What a, but it is the end of the Warren Begalia arc. And Zemo... <laughs> it, the, the ending is really cool, because essentially Punisher jumps on the back of a fucking fighter jet and ejects Zemo into the water. <laughs> And then it seems like the jet crashes, and it doesn't look like Punisher is able to pull out the way the, 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 the panels depict just blackness after going into the water. I don't know. Obviously, Punisher survives. But it, the, the ending issue is pretty much Zemo going, okay, no, you know what? Begilly has fallen. Take me to New York. Bum, bum, bum. Dig it, man. It's, this is not a book that you can go panel for panel by because you flip through it. So it's an action book. If you like action, you like explosions, you like the Punisher, there's, I don't think there's ever been a better depiction of a true Punisher story. Savage Avengers, number one. Dory Duggan, Mike Diodoto Jr., and Frank Martin, covered by David Finch and Frank Diamata. Mike Diodoto's going out of Marvel with this title. This title was in the news a few episodes back. In our news a few episodes back. The title is here. Oh, boy. This was... I didn't know what to expect going into this, but I'm glad with what came out of it. Um, just to give you an idea, essentially what I'm going to say is this is another book that you should read for yourself. We've got Venom, which I believe to be more of the Venom's, Venom symbiote itself without Eddie Brock is how I believe this to be, because I, I really think this is still going to play into canon with Donnie Case's Venom story. Venom, the symbiote, is separated from any Eddie Brock. But we'll get to that later. we got Brother Voodoo, we got Electro, we got Punisher, we've got Conan, and we've got Wolverine. It starts out with a fucking amazing Conan, the Barbarian, and Wolverine fight, to the point where it's so good, the two of them, who aren't really known to have respect for someone after it's all said and done, Part ways with respect. Conan has said, I've never seen a more unkillable foe in my life. Good on ya. (laughs) Essentially is what it comes down to. 
how is Conan in this universe? Well, remember No Road Home? Well, he he didn't go back to Chimera. He was dropped off in the Savage Lands. So, that's how he's here. Answers that question. There's a cult going on. We're in the city of Sickles. And the cult is essentially trying to gather this massive pool of blood of all of the greatest and most powerful things about. And that doesn't exclude anything. As a matter of fact, the first sacrifice you see to this pool of blood is... Uh, apparently, I don't, I'm not an opera enthusiast. Maybe Mason, you would recognize the name. Uh, what is his name? Signore Saviano. Okay. He's actually the first sacrifice we see. They cut his head off, and even the the cult leader. I don't know the guy's name. I'm just gonna from, I'm gonna refer him to refer to him as the cult leader for lack of knowledge. Uh, he even says, I respected your voice, sir. Slink. Pool of blood. And we get our, our title page. That's when we get the Wolverine fight and the Logan fight that goes on forever, but not long enough, in my opinion. I could have just got 60 pages of that. It was so well drawn, and that's why Mike Diodoto's a legend. And actually, it ends with them pouring kegs into each other's mouths. It's pretty fucking cool, but uh, as cheesy as that may sound. Then we start to get an introduction of more characters. We get Brother Voodoo. Well, it turns out that he's just kind of being led into this... Uh, well, he's being drawn into the, uh, the the sacrificial pit without knowledge. And eventually he ends up getting his fucking throat cut in front of Wolverine himself. That makes Wolverine go berserk. You see Conan, back to Conan, he's climbing this tower, you realize, well, the jewel, the amulet that he's after, just so happens to be on the neck of this cult leader, and then you see the cult leader in his quarters, and above him, and it's the only, you see what looks to be Venom, caged, hanging above him. That's the only time you see Venom in this book. I think that's where Conan's going to get his Venomized sword that this series is teasing. But that's, that's it. That's it. It, it. Really, this is just a giant fucking tease. It's, it's great. It's action-packed. There's death. But the last, the last bit is after... If there's anything I've learned from... there's anything I've learned from Marvel, it's that they like to dangle... Well, we've been teasing this at you, and it, it's coming. But it's not coming the way you, want, you yep. think it is. No, and I think you figured it out. I, I, do, I think you figured it out quicker than I did, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is what it is. So after uh, uh, the cult leader slits Brother Voodoo's throat, you see the hand. Oh, yeah, the hand's involved, too. And I think that's where Electra's going to come into this, because Electra's on the cover, but not in this book. So I think that's, yeah. The hand comes out, and the cult leader's like, dude, you're supposed to bring me live bodies for sacrifice. And the hand's like, check it out. These are coffins, bro, but these ain't on any coffins. These coffins are going to draw a man that has probably shed more blood than any mortal in the history of existence. And then you see the empty grave plots of the Castle family. <clears throat> Punisher mad. Punisher coming. Punisher is going to get his throat slit into a pool of blood for a bunch of cultists? Fucking doubt it. Fucking doubt it, bro. I'm a little brum they killed Brother Voodoo, but on account of he's magic, I'm not totally convinced he's completely dead. Brother Voodoo, goddammit, <laughs> Brother Voodoo, I haven't, I haven't read anything about Brother Voodoo in a couple of years, I'm excited to see him back, but super bummed to see him go so quickly, oh boy, War of the Realms number three, we're getting, 
It's, it's, it's getting deep, guys. It's going... Mm. Oh, man. This fucking issue is... It, it sets up so much. And it's hard to tell in continuity where it belongs because there's so many different things going on. If I were to sum it all up real quick and say what this is setting up is all of the, the Strike Force books that are coming out. And the only reason I know that is because the, the Dark Elf Realm, which is going to be the last book I talk about this week, plays so heavily into this. So, really what it comes down to... Alright, well first let me give a shout out to the fucking goddamn creators. Jason Aaron, Russell Dalton, and Matthew Wilson. Arthur Adams and Matthew Wilson doing the covers, like they have been. So, check it out. Freya, she... In the last issue, it came down to her and Odin saying, okay, well, this is what we're doing. Odin, even though he's still alive, he's still pretty fucked up and useless, even though he came in in his epic fashion. Freya came down and said, I need to go find my baby. And I don't mean Loki, because fuck that motherfucker. I mean Thor. Just kidding. But yes, Thor. So, well, she's not going after Thor. She's sending Captain after Thor. And he's assembling his own team. And his team is a fucking dope. And not only is his team dope, they're all given Asgardian weapons. And this is where you see Spider-Man with a shield. And Captain America with an axe. An Asgardian fucking battle axe. Along with his shield. And we get the the, the panel that's been... At least, I don't... I, at least in my circle, I see it floating around a lot, and you see Spider-Man kind of giving Captain America shit, saying, who goes into battle with just a shield? How come I only have a shield? Oh, sorry, Cap. Well, that's, that, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the one. So much better when you read it than when I say it, though. <laughs> but that's not all the team. It's also Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Wolverine in this bitch. And fucking, we get Power Man and Iron Fist... Together. And a panel being Power Man and Iron Fisty. That sounds weird when you say it like that. <laughs> I mean, it's great. We get the back and forth dialogue with Danny Rand and Luke Cage that I have missed since the last time I saw the Power Man and Iron Fist maxi series that came out a couple years ago. I just, they're, not on fucking, they're not in comic books enough together now. It's, it's ridiculous. To me, it's one of my favorite fucking... The, uh, Heroes for Hire is one of the best duos in, in comics, if you ask me. Fact is, they're here. Jason Aaron did it. He knows. Uh, fan service, man. Fan service. Beyond all that, so we know that uh, Captain America, th what, what I'm saying here is in Jotunheim, they're going off to fight, or to not fight, find Thor. That is going to be a Strike Force book coming out soon. Freya's Strike Force is her assembling Ghost Rider, Punisher, and She-Hulk along with Blade, so three Avengers and a Punisher, to go take down the uh, the Black Bifrost. Meanwhile, she sends, back in issue two, she sends Daredevil and Jane Foster to Midgard with a, a limited power that she's able to do. Cause it, and Heimdall gives Daredevil... The, the sword allowing him to be the... the pretty much gives Heimd him Heimdall's powers is what it comes down to. So he and Jane Foster are protecting the Rainbow Bifrost. Well, spoiler, it don't fucking work. Uh, it's, it's all of the vision and seeing is too much for Daredevil, and he allows Dark Elf to skip through, and Kamikaze is the Rainbow Bifrost. 
Freya's team, or Freya realizes this, and she's like, oh, shit, we can't kill the Black Bifrost. We, uh, if we do, the Rainbow Bifrost, I just sense the Rainbow Bifrost is booked, bro. If we do that, then we're going to be stuck here forever. So now, new change of plan, Dark Elf Realm Strike Force, we got to protect this motherfucker. So that's that's what we're getting out of that. The, and there's one other Strike Force team that I find very very intriguing. Back on Midgard, we get Captain Marvel leading Captain Britain, Bucky, Weapon H, Deadpool, Lady Sif, and fucking Venom, which I would only assume is once again the Venom symbiote because if you read the Venom tie into War of the Realms, Eddie Brock and the Venom symbiote are separated, and then Brock is only be able to be venomized because of the, the, the dream stone that the crazy witch gave him. So, essentially, the, I'm assuming this is just the Venom symbiote running around. Fact is, uh, Malekith has this crazy sword that's super powerful, stabs Venom with it, and they disappear. Captain Marvel and the rest of that strike force is very, very confused. Where's Venom? Bum, bum, bum! And the last page is Malekith uh, in possession of Venom. And the teaser at the end of the book is uh, Venom on a leash, chain leash, Malekith controlling it. Really, like I said, it's all setting up the strike force that's coming, Act 2. And that's going to be conquering the continents that have been taken over by Malekith. Moving along, War of the Realm, Strike Force, the Dark Realm. Essentially, to, I mean, for lack of a... Let me give credit where credit is due first before I get ahead of myself here. Brian Hill, Lionel Francis Yu. I'm so happy to see that name. I haven't seen it in a while. I'm going to kill this last name now. Jerry Alaguini, Alaguan, and Matt Hollingsworth. Covered by Lionel Francis Yu and Matt Hollingsworth. Essentially, this is... Lady Sif assembling the Dark Elf Realm. So this this issue takes place during parts of number three, and then it bounces back and forth. So you could actually read War of the Realms number three and uh, Strike Force this this issue here together at the same time. But I prefer that I actually read I fucked up and I read Strike Force first, and War of the Realms does need to read first. But they take place at the same time. There's a lot of going on in War of the Realms. Once again, I actually think the War of the Realms books are more set up for you to be told for you to go out and buy the tie-ins. Because <laughs> it makes it, it makes the story make more sense. Great marketing. I'm a gump. I'm sold. Really what it comes down to, and Strike Force though, is Freya is assembling this team. to three, of, three Avengers and the Punisher. But first, before she trust them, she has to have them prove themselves, and they all put on, she puts them all in these strange situations, and they have to overcome. For instance, Blade gets put in this weird castle, and he has to fight this future version of himself. His greatest enemy will always be himself, metaphorically speaking. See where I'm going with this? Jennifer Walters, as She-Hulk, uh, fights the Hulk, who's a judge in a courtroom. Like I said, it's all weird, uh, dreamy type of stuff. It's all metaphorical bullshit. Uh, who, uh, Ghost Rider, his, his, his task is to fight an imposter of himself, and Punisher's is probably the greatest of all, and his task is to fight the other three Avengers, <laughs> and it's, it's pretty great when they're all explaining, oh, this is what I had to do, this is what I, what you have to do, Punisher's, like, oh, I had to kill all you three, but if it makes you feel any better, I felt bad about it, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, I, just, I, I thought it was great. 
Um, and then uh, Lady Sif, or not Lady Sif, my bad, Lady Freya says, okay, you guys all pass or trick, and then they go to the Black Bifrost, and it cuts back to the scene, or even, actually, before all that, they even get the thing that says hours and hours later, and that explains that War of the Realms takes place in between these two scenarios, so, bam. It's a crazy, crazy, fun, convoluted, no, I wouldn't say convoluted, this whole War of the Realms thing, it's, it's, it's all happening at the same time, so it, it can, I could see how it could be overwhelming, but let me guide you through, because I know how amazing this all is, I am, I understand it, I guess I'm not as fucking donkey-brained as I thought, <laughs> I'm in Washington, it's always sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> Guys, that's, what a great week in comics, man. I, I, I flew through this, though, but I don't know if it was because I'm getting better at this or because I'm super fucking excited, and I want you to read a lot of this, a lot more of this yourself. I, I call this an overview more than a review. I, I guess it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's, it's fair to say. You definitely express your opinions on things. I only want to talk about Tom King and Rob Liefeld, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the only time you express your negative opinions. Yeah, no, all of my, I'd say 97.63% of my opinions are usually pretty positive. Once again, I try to stay purely positive, but criticism is, is due at certain times. Yes. I don't always feel like I should be the one to deliver it, but sometimes I feel like I should. Let's get on to uh, the honorable mentions, man. The, the stuff that, I, some of it I read, some of it I didn't, some of it I'm collecting just for collecting's sake. The fact is, there's, there's uh, my, my money goes to comic books. <laughs> the Walking Dead, 191. Alright, there's a lot of hype around this book, because it was solicited as the death of Rick. Well, spoiler bitches, he don't die. I'm not reading it, but... Um, the fact that someone on eBay actually posted this book for like 500 bucks, I, I, I caught, what the fuck? Well, they didn't, apparently they didn't read the book either, because Rick's not dead. He does get shot in the chest, but he's not dead. And if you're a Walking Dead fan, and you follow, uh, Kirkman at all, he says this, this story, this comic ends when Rick dies. I think it'd be pretty weird for them to end it at issue 191. That's a weird fucking thing. So, in fact, it's... Uh, eventually when, when work does die, I will go through and read all, I'm going to say it's going to take 300 issues, but it is what it is, um, I don't know how I, excuse me, I don't know how I feel about The Walking Dead overall, but at this point I know there's so many fucking valuable comics that come out randomly, I think it's just, it's something that I'll just, I'll take a hit on financially every week and eventually I'll strike gold and something will happen, it makes sense. IDW put out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends issue number 12. Once again, as I say every time this series comes out, it's a story that's already been told just now in color, and they're going to finish it instead of cancel it at issue 26. It is going to go all the way to 30 issues. I'm not going to do an overview of a book that came out in the fucking 80s, or 90s. But I am collecting it because, once again, I am a completionist, and I want a full Turtles run. Green Lantern, number seven. I opened this book. Alright, so with Green Lantern, I, I was super fucking excited when the, the series first started. Grant Morrison, Leon Sharp. Fucking great goddamn combo. I opened this book, and it was so much dialogue that I had 
no interest in the story. I don't I don't care how important this book is. The fact that I own it is enough for me. But that did not keep, keep me from flipping through the pages, because I think Liam Sharp's one of the most incredible artists to ever fucking grace this goddamn planet. Uh, I, I went through, and I enjoyed this book strictly visually. 100% visual. I, I Not to take anything away from Grant Morrison. Some, uh, that was just so too many words for a comic book for me. That's just how I feel about it. I'm sure that... The book was great. I bet it was a great well, fucking story. Like, like we've discussed, certain certain writers can do it with comics, and Frank Miller is like one of those who he can put in paragraphs and paragraphs, but he also knows how to construct the comics so that you can breeze past those and then come back when you think they matter. Right. Well, to me, the thing is, is that all of the words in this book weren't dialogue. If it were dialogue, that would be different. But it was some Tom King-esque, I'm going to tell this Shakespearean story. And I like I don't know that for sure, but based off like the first four sentences I read, I decided that, no, I'm not going to spend 17 minutes reading this book. When not I could, with the extensive pull list that you have. No, no. It's, yeah, exactly. There were uh, a bunch of... Usually, my Marvel books don't make the honorable mentions in the mass that they do, because I'm... I, I love all of my Marvel books. But I decided that I'm going to go uh, based off a pattern here and realize that maybe these books didn't necessarily deserve my time in single-issue formats this week. Spider-Gwen, I, I, I fucking... I love this character. I love it so much. But after reading issue number seven and seeing what it was setting up, I realized that there's probably not going to be anything super necessary to read. I feel like it's her getting the girls back together for a band. I'm not in in the Silver Age Spider-Man type of stories. There, I need I, I need blood. And it looks like oh, yeah, there's cover. It looks like her band members on the cover are fucked up and what was me-ish. But this is not enough for me. I, I need a, I need a fucking villain. A, a, a real, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. If I fucked up by skipping this issue, let me know. Uh, Spider-Man Hunted 20.HU I've been reading all of the point-hunted side issues to despair, unfortunately. And I realized that I don't think that, despite the amazing cover and Vulture being on the front, I, I, eh, I don't think it's going to matter enough to the story, to be honest. It's, it's all drama and sadness, and I'm, no one wants all that shit, man. Let's, let's get happy. Fucking Major X, Rob Leefield. You already know how I feel about this. I'm... Oh, God. Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys Marvel Universe... The, 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 the University of the Marvel Universe. Just kidding. <laughs> That's the University it. of the Marvel Universe. I'll, it's going to exist one day. It will. Oh, it will. There, there's enough, there's mer- enough knowledge in Marvel to, you know, establish uh, plenty of classes. Yeah. Well, the actual name of the book I read is Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History. I, I It's going to be a six-issue miniseries after reading the first issue and not being highly impressed. The fact is, this might be a character that is only good when Donnie Cates writes him. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Convince me otherwise. I'm still Obviously, I'm still buying it. I'm going to complete the series, and I, I will read it. 
in, in bulk if I see that there's enough praise for the story when it's all said and done. Otherwise, this might just be a story, or, yeah, a story that sits in my fucking, in my boxes without uh, ever being read past issue one. Who knows? So I'm going to leave it up to you fuckers to convince me. So, there's a bunch of other books that came out that week. They didn't get my money. So if there's anything else that you suggest that I put on my poll list that you guys are super interested in hearing about, let me know. I'm fucking whatever. I'm all about it. Let's talk about the pretty shit now. Only one wall book this week. Only one. But it is one that I've been excited for because it has been teased for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And it is deceased, number one. I got the Francesco Matina variant. The grotesque zombie Batman. Fucking... <laughs> it's it's going to look so good next to the other Batman Matina covers that have come out lately, all those variants, because I feel like Matina has almost been leading up to this variant, because the two Matina Batman variants beforehand were very dark and grotesque looking. They, they almost looked like he was already zombified. Slightly. This, clearly fucking dead. And I, you know what, I, I, I hope that Tom Taylor really does kill Batman in this story. I do. I hope that this Matina cover is reminiscent to the actual fucking story. If not, I guess I'll be okay with it, but he's getting bitten to death. He gonna die. Everybody's gonna die. Everybody's gonna die. I love it. God damn it, guys. This was so, uh, last, that was a good week. Fucking May 1st was a good uh, goddamn week. Good week for... That's how you start out a month, everybody. Let's get down to the top picks. The stuff that uh, that I chose to be the best. Not that it really fucking matters. My opinion doesn't matter. But I feel that I need to give credit where credit is deserved. At least on my end. Over, I'm going to start with the cover. The cover is probably the most obvious pick of the week. And that's going to go to Deceased. Number one. The Francesco Matina variant. It's fucking Batman... Batman, good Batman. I like it. Interiors of the week. Uh, if you haven't, uh, fucking Freddie Williams with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman. That's um, it's obvious. And any week that that issue is going to be featured is automatically going to get my pick because it's unless it's a Sam Keith week, unless Batman and the Max decides to fucking come back like they're supposed to. But until that happens. Pretty Williams Jr. is going to get it. And my overall pick of the week actually goes to James Tinney in the fourth. Doing Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 3 again. So you get two. Two of my top picks of the week go to that book. It's I, I fucking love it, man. I love it so much. And Deceased was great, too. If I had to pick a, a number two for overall, it would be Deceased. But, nope. Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, fucking lived up to the hype. Super, super, super fucking happy. So thank you. Thank you for fucking listening to all of my opinions and all of that shit. Let's get on to next week's hype. The stuff that I will, I'm personally excited for next week. So yeah, let's, uh, let's start out by going to the top. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Alien, uh, Dark Horse Comics. Fucking Aliens Resistance, the beers are working. Resistance number four, Brian Wood and Robert Carey. 
I'm not overviewing this book issue to issue, but because I'm an alien fanatic, I am buying this book. Uh, is that Anthem based off the the video game, you think? Not a game I play. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a thing. Oh, DC Comics. Alright, it's about time this book came out. I, I felt like it's been teased way too long. The solicits for this book came out before Deceased. Batman and the Outsiders, number one. So we got a new Bat Team. Fucking uh, signals all up in that bitch. And we got a Suicide Squad person in there. What's her name? Uh, what was her name? I don't remember. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this book, actually. Batman Who Laughs, number five. Scott Snyder and Jock. Obviously reading that book. I dig it quite a bit. Catwoman number 11, Joel Jones and Fernando Blanco. I own this entire volume just based off the variants because Art Germ's been doing all the variants and it's the only Art Germ that I'm fully committed to. Detective Comics 1003, Peter J. Tomasi, Brad Walker, and Andrew Hennessy getting both covers this week. Mark Brooks killing it. The story with Arkham Knight killing it. Uh, Flash, number 70, Joshua Williamson and Christian Deuce. Not reading Flash, a lot of people are, though. Justice League Odyssey, number 9, Dan Abnett, Daniel Stampier, and Juan Albedon. Uh, it seems like the consensus is this is the best Justice League book out there. It's the only Justice League book I'm not subscribed to, though, so I can't say for sure. I will be getting at least $4 of my monies. With that fucking Lucio Perillo cover. God damn. Dark Side is. Red Hood Outlaw number 34. Scott Lobdell and Pete Woods. I am subscribed to this book. But it, once again, another wall book this week. So stay tuned. Shazam number 5. Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham. Shazam is incredible. And I actually think that it's, spoilers, setting up Shazam part 2. I feel like this is just Jeff Johns as the way the, the movie ended. Looks like she's... Yeah, it's uh, fucking good. Supergirl number 30, Mark Andreco and Eduardo Pancia. I'm not reading Supergirl, but... I, yeah, once again, just a reminder, guys, for those of you who are... Wonder Twin Powers Activate number 4, Russ, Mark Russell and Stephen Byrne. Uh, I, I read issue one, I dug it very, very much. I'm not committed to this series. I think it's actually only a four-part series. It's six at the most. It might be coming to an end. But there's been some, uh, some key appearances throughout this series, so I don't know what to expect at issue four. Wonder Woman number 70, G. Willow Wilson and Zermancio. Hmm, I'm not familiar with that artist. Uh, yeah, no, Wonder Woman obviously still going after 70 issues. Let's jump down to some more indies. Uh, Betty Page, number four, by Dynamite is coming out. It's obviously an extremely popular uh, series. James Bond, Origin, number nine, Jeff Parker and Ibram Maustalfa. I really, I, I, I might have to buy that book in, in trades. I really regret missing issue one on that. It just completely slipped through. Um... IDW. Alright. Samurai Jack Lost World number one. Paul Allure, Adam Bryce Thomas. Last time a Samurai Jack book come out, came out, 
was conveniently after Samurai Jack on Cartoon Network decided that we're going to finish the story. So we got the animated, the, the last season of Samurai Jack, and then they put out this, oh, we're going to do a Samurai Jack comic, and, I, I mean, no offense to the creators, I don't think I've ever been more let down by opening up a comic book in my entire life. Now, with that being said, we're getting a Samurai Jack comic again. I hope this lasts past one issue, because I'm obviously not the only person that had that same feeling, because the book that I read was definitely not set up to be a one-shot, and it didn't finish. Sure. IDW. I, mm, lots of faith. Lots of faith. Getting my money. Image Comics. What a week for Image, guys. Curse Words number 21, Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. I'm not reading Curse Words, but I will go through eventually and read it all in, uh... And volumes. Uh, oh, more Hit Girl. Season 2. Number 4, Kevin Smith and Perneal Oram. So, Kevin Smith, writing a Hit Girl comic. Enough said. I reviewed the first one. I reviewed the first one. Thought it was great, even though it was a silent issue. Literally a silent issue. Which had just dawned on me, written by silent fucking Bob. <laughs> da 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 Ice Cream Man, number 12, W. Maxwell Prince and Martin Morazzo with Chris O'Halloran. Possibly Images' best horror book ever made, ever. I fucking love this goddamn series so fucking much. <clears throat> fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> Dark number 6, this is Image Top Cal, Ryan Cady, and Andrea Moody. Not reading Infinite Dark, but it is a popular image book that I feel I should remind you about. Murder Falcon number 8, Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. My favorite comic book in the history of comic books and all of that have been written in all of comic books ever. I'm dropping it. Just kidding. Fucking Murder Falcon. God damn. I cannot recommend that book enough. Especially if you like uh, a little bit of metal. Marvel Comics... Uh, oh, okay, we're, so we got more Age of X-Men stuff. Uh, we're doing Age of X-Men Apocalypse and the Extracts, number three, Tim Seeley and Salva Espin. I only read issue number one of all of these, so... Um, yeah, no, it's for all of those that are completely tied to that, it is Age of X-Men Apocalypse and the Extracts week. Captain America, number 10, Tanesha Coates and Adam Kubert. Not reading Captain America just because there's not really a whole lot of Captain America going on in that. And I'm not super drawn to Steve Rogers. But the fucking Alex Ross, co Alex Ross covers are pretty incredible. Captain Marvel, number 5, is coming out. Kelly Thompson and Carmen Nunez Carnero. Rumors are that this title is suffering. Help save the Captain Marvel title. Conan the Barbarian, number six, Jason Aaron and Mama Nazar. The Conan title to read out of the three that are out there. Because we also got another one this week, too, with uh, the the Belit shit that is more about... I feel it's more of, like, novel reading than anything. Conan the Barbarian, though. That shit right there, that's the one to read. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, number six, Tom Taylor and Juan Cabal. It is... Uh, not the story I thought I would be drawn to, but it is a very, very fun story to read. Another Spider-Man story we're getting... Oh, I guess we'll get to that later on. There's a symbiote one going on. Symbiote of Spider-Man? We'll get to that. 
Savage Sword. Jeez, they're going to do all of the fucking Conan titles this week. Come on, Marvel. Spread it out. Savage Sword of Conan, number five, Jerry Duggan and Ron Garney. Because of this, I actually dropped this title. Shit like this going on. We could only... You can't bring back Conan and then give us three issues of Conan all... Uh, yeah. Marvel, get your shit together. Spread it out. Just a little bit. I probably would still be reading this title if this wasn't the first one. <clears throat> not going to get mad. Spider-Man Deadpool, number 50. This title comes to an end right here. Robbie Thompson, Jim Toe, and Matt Horak. So, end of an era for old Spider-Man and Deadpool. For now, I'm sure it'll reboot. Um, oh, there we go. Symbiote Spider-Man number two. Peter David and Greg Land. Picked up issue number one. Don't feel like it's something necessary. More of a, oh, I don't, uh, there's not enough Spider-Man to read. So I'm going to read this. Said no one ever this year. But, here we are, another Spider-Man miniseries. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 44, Ryan North and Derek Charm. Totally reading this one on account of the War of the Realms tie-in. She's up in uh, Canada, fucking up some frost giants. That's what Loki told her to do. She's doing it. Oh, War of the Realms Journey into Mystery, number 2, Clint McElroy and Andrea Rujo. I don't know, I mean, based off the various writers that are also doing this, I would only assume this is a bunch of tiny little stories tied into all, all together, and the only part that really, truly matters is going to be the first part. Could be wrong, doesn't matter, I'll let you know, I'm going to read it. And, uh, X-Force, number seven, last but not least from Marvel, Ed Brisson, Damien Kowalsio, sorry, and Dylan Burnett. Not reading X-Force anymore, but it's, uh, it's fine and dandy from what I understand. It's still gone, so obviously there's people reading it. And, uh... Nothing else really big? Oh, I knew there was one more. I wouldn't say necessarily really big, but Ronan Island, number three, Greg Pak and Giannis Milaganasis. Yeah, I said that right. Milagan... No, I probably didn't. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I am still reading Ronan Island. It was, it was pretty intriguing overall. I, I, I will say there's, the last issue, the first issue started out, ah, action, violence, ah, what's going on? The second issue was purely, purely political, as far as, I mean, not necessarily pertaining to anything relevant to our politics, but I mean, it was more of a dialogue-based comic pertaining to what the fuck's happening. But, wasn't, uh, I'm fucking totally, 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 totally very excited about issue number three, because I, I, based off issue one, I know it's got so much fucking potential, I did Greg Pak's writing, he's done some amazing stuff, uh, oh, hi, Strange, um, well, shit, I, does that do it? I don't think I have any final thoughts, man, other than make sure you go to Free Comic Book Day, or if you're listening to this after Free Comic Book Day, which will actually probably air on Free Comic Book Day, now that I think about it. Hmm. I hope you went to Free Comic Book Day, is my final thoughts. <laughs> Alright, everybody. Um, I... Well, we had a shorter podcast than normal. I'm... I hope you enjoyed that. You know where to follow us. You know where to listen to us. If you have any questions, Twitter's your best bet. Support me on Patreon. Give me money. I will give you content better and better as we continue so 
Thank you, nerds, for joining me. Be sure to read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers.